Hi, Glenita. I'm Holly Toulouseur. I'm from La Loche, Saskatchewan. I'm your host. You're listening to Dene Teachings about Resilience. This show explores Denny understandings of mental health. It's a topic I'm passionate about. I grew up in Northern Saskatchewan where there was a huge need for mental health supports and services, but it wasn't offered. If it was available, it wasn't culturally appropriate for the Denny people. I struggled with my mental health. I've seen my own friends and family suffer with mental health. We didn't have the supports and services we needed. I know that language is powerful, I know that listening to these stories in the Denny language will be more impactful. I'm a licensed mental health therapist and I'm taking my master's degree in educational psychology. In all of my studies, it has been hard to find information created by Denny people. So I decided to create this series to learn more from myself and share what I'm learning with other Denny therapists, teachers, and social workers. I decided to produce this series in Dene so we can learn together in our precious Dene language. My guest today is Melissa Dejale. Melissa is from the Buffalo River Dene Nation. Buffalo River is in Treaty 10 territory in Saskatchewan, Canada. Melissa is a NADAP coordinator. NADAP is the National Native Alcohol and Drug Abuse Program. Melissa is also studying addictions counseling with the University of Blue Quills at the old residential school near St. Paul's, Alberta. I wanted to interview Melissa because her story is so inspiring. She was living a life of drinking and partying before she made the decision to sober up. Here's my conversation with Melissa Dejale. My name is Melissa Dejale. I'm 38 years old. Dennis Jace Chaudhry, Buffalo River, Dene Nation, Treaty 10. I am currently employed as a NADAP worker here in Buffalo River. And I got four kids, three boys and one girl. And I've been sober for three years and a couple of months. Well, I'm so glad you're able to join us and share your story. So then I in Amazon, like whatever you're comfortable and like every word then I've seen on the city. No, how in it about wellness and now what does that mean for you it means honoring yourself taking care of you individually a lot of self-care a lot of self-reflection it's a lot of work but 
you got to take care of yourself and that's the only way for us to to thrive amongst our people is to you know do the work on yourself so that you can be able to help others because mm, you said then you're sober and you're a mother um all in now so what do you need to be well what does melissa need in order to be able to take care of herself and take care of her kids do a good job in her work well for me personally to to be well i have to um really look into myself like what is bothering me at the present moment like i do a lot of reflection on myself and there's a lot of things that i still struggle with how i'm feeling at the current moment is what i base my self care on if i'm having a off day i'll take time for myself to think about what i need to do that will make me happy or that will make me feel better sometimes it's just peace and quiet sometimes being out on the land like i like to go to the water a lot because that's where i feel more calm yeah and also being open with myself and other people around me like in my home there's i'm not by myself a lot so sometimes i just have to tell my family like hey i'm not having a good day right now i need to just figure some stuff out i might seem a little bit quiet or whatever but you know I'll be okay kind of thing. Sobering up, growing up in community. Hok asan cha sober dike inola, right? And yeah. it's so normal like 19 at the jare, like you go out to bars and even before you're 19, right? It's so easily accessible. Doa, it sounds like you're doing a lot of work on yourself, like school in Andela, right? Which is Yeah. A huge step when we get to this place because we learn so much about ourselves, right? Not just how to help people. Yeah. Who in your life showed you role modeled wellness, self care? Who who was that person for you? Because sometimes we don't always have that. When you say that, there's one person that comes to mind. I was really battling with my addiction three years ago, over three years ago, and. There was this one of my relatives who had started her healing journey six months prior, and I've seen a lot of growth in her in that six months, and mm-hmm. it was very inspiring. For a long time, I wanted to sober up, but I just couldn't figure out how, because I would always fall back into my old ways. But at this point in time. I just had to really look at myself and I seen this woman, you know, doing so well in just 6 months and I thought, you know, I want to be like that too. And so I thought so hard about it and I finally came to the conclusion that if I don't stop what I'm doing, things are not going to get better. My life is just going to keep spiraling out of out of control and I really looked up to her and I still do till today like we have a relationship. She's one of the women that I really look up to and that really helped me along my journey at the beginning. Thank you for sharing that. So in that time since you've sobered up, how is your life different now? I don't know if it took you 6 months or 3 years. What changes have you noticed in yourself that you want to share with the listeners? 
Well, I guess I would say the first six months for me was the hardest. Um, I went back and forth about everything. Everything was all fresh. And I was very, I was, I still didn't know too much about who I truly was, my identity, like and to tell today, I still kind of have a little bit of trouble with who I am as an Indigenous woman, because it's very confusing, because we don't really know too much about who we were prior to colonization and um, I I had trouble connecting. I tried to find connection through like the Catholic Church, and I I didn't really feel it there. And so, I guess having to really honor myself by speaking my native language again was what really helped me. It helped me gain confidence in who I who I was and. I realized that my language is more than just who I am. It's, it's, it's my life. And although I don't know really who we were prior to first contact, I guess we could say, I, I still try to study. I, 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 I utilize the elders in the community, um, my grandparents, and that's how I found I started to gain confidence by speaking my language and learning about our people and trying to get as much information as I could of who we were, the things we did and stuff. And I started feeling a connection to the land. And so the first six months of my journey was I, I hung out with my grandparents as much as I could. And I really had a goal set out to that I, I could try to speak my language as much as I can to them until today it's like that like if I'm with them I speak nothing but Dene I feel so comfortable because you know they don't say anything they correct me if I'm wrong and you know I I feel comfortable speaking it to them so now like you know it helps me gain a sense of self-confidence and I, I, I really love my language because it's so unique and rare you know, I want to keep it going. So that's what really helped me in the beginning. Mercy. So you mentioned a lot about how trauma, whether we have massive trauma or ongoing traumatic events that happen to us, it's usually <laughs> a person disconnects their body from their mind. We find ways to numb, escape, all those things. Mm-hmm. And you felt safe with your grandparents speaking the language because sometimes when people relearn it, people will laugh at you if you're not yep. saying it properly. Or if someone goes and does something traditional, exploring more traditional approaches and being on the land, they might get certain comments. They're trying to be a certain way. Is that something you've experienced? Um, I hear a lot of it, you know, I'm always still so conflicted between everything, like, with our way of life and, like, like the churches. I can't really place judgment on, like, others for how they believe. For me, it's all about where you connect the most. And I've heard comments like, this is that's not who we are like when it comes to certain things like powwows and stuff like that like that's not who we are as any people and stuff but I find that it's so it's such a beautiful way to honor 
who we are and bring awareness. I never really knew the significance of why people did traditional things, you know, like I, I didn't know why they did that. I, I had no idea. And now I know that that's their way of connecting with their spiritual, their higher power, whatever it may be. And so there's days where I feel very angry about what happened with with our people, our grandparents and stuff. And I feel like I was deprived of the life I should have had. But at the same time, that's all I've ever known since I was a little girl. And I'm trying to find a balance in between the new way of life and the traditional way of life. So sometimes I still get conflicted there. But you have been doing it, right? You have, yeah. you're in community, even though it's not what tradition would look like 100 years ago, you're still in community, you're connected to family, land, friends, culture, language, even if you're not fully immersed. Yeah. And while still dealing with everything that comes with colonization. Do you find like in your in your learning, because you're in school, you're at Blue Quills, right? Yeah, I am. So do you find the content is, when they say indigenous knowledge is it's usually like Cree heavy. Is yeah. that your experience? Yeah, like I'm the only Dene girl in my class. Um, so a lot of times when they bring in presenters and stuff, they they are Cree. Um I feel like we need more representation out there as Dene people because we don't see too much of us out there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I agree. Like, it's like that. I know they have, like, a Dene program at the Blue Quills University. But as far as me personally, I haven't really seen um, too much of our, like, Dene. Well, that's where you come in to fill that gap, right? Yeah. (laughs) You do the program, and then you'll probably... I don't know if you're like me, you'll be hooked and you just want more and more education (laughs) and you're curious, you want to learn more. Because for me, like education is my healing. I always say, I don't need therapy. I just need my tuition paid and and to continue going to school. I really believe that wholeheartedly because honestly, this course that I'm taking and it's an an addiction counseling course, Mm -hmm. I've had to go to places within myself that I had thought I forgot about and it's unreal how much healing you do when you're in school for stuff like this and I do like I do want to further my education more so that I honor whatever it is the creator has in my past and I just feel like this is the road that the creator has put me on for a reason and it's more meaningful like my old job it was just a job. It wasn't, it didn't have a purpose for me. But now with all the healing that I'm doing in school and the position that I work in in the community, I can connect with others because I'm in recovery. I'll always be in recovery because every day it's it's a work in progress when you're healing. And so I feel like I have a good connection with people because I can understand where they're coming from when you battle something. I went to a treatment center back in 2011 and I stayed sober for 16 months, but I went to make others happy. But this time when I stopped drinking, I did it because I wanted to. And that was a difference. 
I went last time for somebody else or to make somebody else happy, but this time I did it for myself and I'm maintaining it now. But it took a lot of rock bottom to get to where I am to stay here. (laughs) And, you know, that's something to be proud of too, but it's amazing what education can do for us. You're how old, Melissa? I'm 38. I just turned 38 in July. Oh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. (laughs) So you're 38. Your kids are older. You don't have little ones running around. What advice would you give to someone who's Maybe at your age or older, they're in their 40s, like me. I turned 42 in a few weeks. So what advice would you give to someone who thinks, oh, why start now? Why bother? If they're struggling to take that first step, you've had so much growth. You've had so much learning. You're still in recovery, but you've come so far. And what would you say to someone who's thinking about starting that journey? I would just tell them, you know what, go for it. What more do you have to lose? It's a beautiful journey. It's not always going to be sunshine and happiness. There's a lot of ugly times, uncomfortable times. But the journey is so worth it after you look back and you see how much growth and how different your mindset becomes after. It's so humbling. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I just wish that more people could just reach out and utilize what they have in their communities. Because when I started, I didn't do that. I kind of just kept to myself, and I struggled a lot on my own. But I know now that when I'm struggling, I reach out to a mental health therapist or an elder, or I will talk about how I'm feeling. I'll just reach out, you know, somehow. I don't have to go through things on my own. But I also tell people, too, to honor their feelings. I don't like the saying, be strong. It's okay to be weak. Just don't stay there. That's what I always tell people. Honor your feelings. Just don't stay there. Mercy. Those are really good words. Nine times out of ten, I truly believe what you put out there to the universe, it listens. And so when you say you know, you want to heal, you want to get better, you want to, you start to believe it. And then when you start to believe it, you start to do it. Yeah. And then when you say a lot of the stuff you're learning in school, there's this one very famous author. She's a motivational speaker, Louise Hay, Heal Yourself. Her books have been out there for decades. And I've even listened to her. And I remember We had to read one of her books in my training in the early 2000s when I did my social work degree. And a lot of the concepts in there were like Dene concepts. So, for instance, you know, when someone says something to you, they insult you, they say something mean about you. If they're Mm -hmm. actually showing what they're insecure about. If someone says, oh, my God, she's so fat. And then if you look at them, maybe they're a little heavier and they're insecure or she's so ugly. Maybe they don't feel pretty. So they're saying it to themselves. Just that one. So in saying that, what has, because when I think of our culture, they've been through so much, you know, and, 
and we're still here, we're still doing well, and there's more people like you who are getting better, who are better, and mm-hmm. they want to help others. So, maybe from your grandparents or anyone else? I remember my grandpa always telling me, like, it's okay sometimes to think about, you know, what others have said, but don't take it personal. Sometimes it's just a battle within themselves towards healing. I was just always, they always, how do you say, they would always talk to me about it. Why are you doing this? At first, it was offensive to me when I was still in the addict mind. But then now I look at it as they were concerned. I can differentiate the difference between that my addicted self and myself in recovery. I've heard so many good things from our elders, even from our own people in general, since I started my journey. And I don't know, I can't really say one thing that really stuck out for me, but honestly, the thing that helps me the most is the serenity prayer, because there's so much meaning to it for, for a short little prayer. It's, got such a big meaning we have to accept the things that we cannot change and that's not always easy and we have to find courage to change the things that we can and that's not saying like change everybody around you it's you within yourself that you have to find the courage to change and that's not easy either you know and then to accept to know the difference between the two it's very powerful to me that's what I live by on a daily basis and I know one person always says, and you know who that is. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's one day at a time. It's, it's, it's a one day journey because we can't go back to yesterday. We don't know what tomorrow is going to offer. It's just current presently what we're dealing with right now. That, that, that matters. That is what we should be worried about. Mm-hmm. So I, I live by those words. Those are the things that help me get through even the harder days, you know. So, I could be say, Sina. So, Melissa, I want to say thank you so much, Mercy Troll, because you're sharing your story. It's going to help so many people, inspire people. I'm so inspired by you, Sabari. You're such a great mother. I know. You've raised so many kids that aren't even yours. You're such a loving, joyful person. And next year, you're going to become a wife for the first time. And what are some things you do in your community as a helper? I listen. I'm actually learning in my classes right now how to properly listen. And I never really realized that I wasn't properly listening until I actually started taking these courses. And it really helps to listen. So I listen to people. Um, we put up programming in the evenings just to get together, to build relationships with women. And we're trying to start that with the men. I really believe that we need to honor our men and our women too. So I kind of do a lot of little things here and there. Like with my pizza business, sometimes I'll just, if I know somebody, you know, might be feeling down sometimes. I'll be like, hey, let me say, let my son drop off a pizza for them. That's my love language is food. I like to cook for people. It makes me happy. 
So just little things like that, or I'll go volunteer to go, like, you know, do stuff. Or a lot of times we have to host the things that go on in the community as the health staff. So I just try to make myself be there when I can be. But lately, uh, I've been having to take care of myself more. So I kind of stepped back a little bit because there was a lot of um, things that happened in our community that were very traumatic and affected me. So I have to take care of myself and make sure my cup is full so that I can help others. But I do my best when I can. Awesome. Mercy. So is there anything else you wanted to add? Any message? Anything else you wanted to share can be anything funny or whatever you want? Um, I just wanted to say thank you for reaching out to me. I like to share my story. I like to talk I don't mind the interviews and stuff like that. And I'm, I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me to interview me and whatever. And I also, I wanted to tell you too that I look up to you too. I know we sat in a seminar together one time. Uh, um, it was online. You sent me the link. And just the way I heard you speak, it was so powerful because you're not afraid to take up space. And that's what I love about you. Like, you know, you advocate as much as you can. You ask all these questions and I still find trouble speaking my truth, but I'm slowly coming out of it. And that's something that you helped me just hearing the questions that you ask and how you speak. It's, it's inspiring as well. So thank you for that. <laughs> Mercy. And I can't wait to do a follow-up interview with you because there's so much more you're doing. Um, Jonah program, Bavaya, you're the one you're in at Blue Quilt. Well, I'm almost done my year one. December will be I'm done, but I just made up my mind and I'm going to take year two to get my diploma. Mm-hmm. And then I might just go for my social work. I'm not sure what I'm going to do because it's not here yet, but I do really enjoy the classes and I feel like I could benefit our people more if I knew more. And, you know, fill my brain with all this knowledge that I'm learning now because it's really beneficial, and I know it is. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what I'm going to do later. But for now, I know that I'm going to try to pursue my year two. And I'm not going to try. I'm going to pursue my year two and finish it and get my diploma. Awesome. Well, just know you already know everything. You have something other people who just study addictions or trauma, mental health, the the good thing about us in the North is we've lived it. We don't have to read about it to understand it. We've experienced all these awful traumas, violence, and losses in our lives, even till this day. And we still keep going. We try to help and better ourselves. So I think you're such a, you're such an inspiration and I know you're going to keep going, so mercy. Yes, thank you. We we are very resilient people, and I'm proud of all of us because when I think back about, I didn't realize till I took this course how bad life was as a child until now because it was a norm, and I was like, oh, my God, I was in survival mode most of my life, and now I'm actually living. It's it's so It's such a... A powerful thing so yeah we are we are very resilient so thank you for the interview mercy thank you so much and i can't wait to have your pizza someday <laughs> you will <laughs> all right you take care melissa
Okay. Marcy. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. I learned so much. One of the biggest things she shared is that someone she looked up to sobered up and modeled this behavior for her. Also, her studies have been so healing for her. I'm Holly Tulliger. You're listening to Dene teachings about resilience. I always say, I don't need healing, I just need my tuition paid. When education is combined with lived experience and the language, we can provide mental health supports and services that are culturally appropriate. I'm Holly Tulliger, thank you for listening. Oh.